0: The one thing that I would say is just make sure that your partner knows why you're doing what you do, right? because like, I think I think it's not just, it's not just about oh, here's what I made. It's like here's why I made this. You're listening to the Yo Podcast with Rob Hope.
1: Asha Iqbal, infamously known as Mubs, is one of the most prolific side project builders online and even earned the prestigious Product Hunt Maker of the Year Award. He currently boasts over 80 side projects in his portfolio, including the viral Will Robots Take My Job microsite, gaining more than 14 million views before it was acquired. We chat about immigrating to America, his love for football, partnership equity, Building MVPs and how he keeps his side projects fun. Yo,
0: Mubs, welcome to the show, my man. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been awesome uh, hearing all the all, all the people you've had up to this point. So I'm I'm kind of honored to be included.
1: Awesome, man. So if if my research is correct, you're currently in upstate New York, about two hours north of New York City, but originally from Pakistan and then moved to London
0: in the uk as a child uh yeah uh, absolutely so uh yeah i was about four when we moved uh from pakistan to to england um and i guess i was in england for about 18 years so i did all of my like kind of educational stuff so i went to school uh, over in england and then once i graduated uh, i'm moved over to the states okay and and why did you move to new york Uh well i didn't move directly to new york um i moved to uh san francisco first company that i i got a, a job with after university actually the second company i got a job with after university was a a small internet startup okay it was actually an australian startup <laughs> um but they were doing some work in england um, so they staffed up in England, and then after about six months, they they asked me if uh, if I'd be interested in moving to to San Francisco because they were moving their operations from Australia because they're an internet startup. There's no internet in uh, in Australia in nineteen ninety. Six. Yeah, and so they were moving to to SF, and and they asked me if I wanted to uh, relocate as well. And I said, uh, why not?
1: <laughs> so I I was just doing a bit of research, and I I was going through your Instagram, and I saw in 2014 you became an American citizen. Yes, was that a huge moment for you coming from Pakistan?
0: Uh, you know, I mean it. It's one of the things I did because I had kind of a, a family here now, so um I didn't want to ever like get kicked out of the country as it were because it's basically you do anything wrong and they have the opportunity to kick you out of the country at that point so that was a good play so that was that was i mean i don't plan to do anything that will get me kicked out of the country but uh, you can never quite tell with you know with the legal uh sort of apparatus as it were you know they, they kind of use whatever they can so um but no i'm i'm kind of happy to be a u.s citizen. i i you know i've been here longer than i lived anywhere else now uh, so I, I you know it 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 really is my home now yeah you know just
1: stepping back you said you graduated in 96 doing computer science at uh, hertfordshire yeah uh, university but I have a funny feeling you were dabbling in side projects <laughs> and computers way before then.
0: Uh, absolutely. I think we got my first, uh, sort of in the house, we we kind of got our first computer when I was about seven years old, I think it was. Uh, it was uh, a Commodore VIC-20, you know, wow. and you know, back in those days, you would have to plug them into your TV as well. Like, you know, they came with mm, monitors or anything like that. A classic. Um, so, yeah, I started playing around, you know, playing video games and stuff like that when I was about seven. After that, I mean, I got a little bit tired of the video I mean, because, again, you know, you didn't have a lot of options back then. It was like, you know, there was like a handful of games that you could play. Um, so when I was about eight, I think we started to, you know, I bought like a magazine from uh, from the store and you could copy the code from the magazine into the computer so you could, so you could play <laughs> your own games and you could... Kind of tweak them a little bit too to kind of make them do kind of what you wanted instead. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so at, at about eight, I would say I started to write code. At the beginning, it wasn't really writing code because I was actually just copying code from magazines. <laughs> but that's that that's kind of ex- exactly how I started.
1: Amazing. So um, you know, just stepping aside to you know the London days. You know, you lived in London, but I know you're an avid supporter of Liverpool. How come you never chose a, a London-based team?
0: Yeah, I think, I think the story there is is that I, I've always been kind of a contrarian, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, so my uncles and my p- brother and basically everybody in my family either supported Spurs or Arsenal. Yes. Um, and so just to piss them off, I decided to support somebody not from London. <laughs> um, and uh, at, so at the time, obviously in the sort of early 80s, um, Liverpool were, were the sort of team in the country. So that I just kind of picked them uh, sort of at the time, and it's just
1: stuck ever since so um, I love how everyone at this point in the podcast thinks we're going to talk about tech and side projects but we're (laughs) actually just going to talk about football Um, so (laughs) the first intermission is something new I want to call it know your stuff and it's a true or false Liverpool edition oh wow (laughs) okay if you get the answer correct you get a goal if you get it wrong I get a goal you got it okay Steven Gerrard scored more than 100 goals for Liverpool um true 1-0 to you. The Liverpool Football Club was founded in 1792. Pulse, Correct. (laughs) It was formed in... It's it's old, but it's not quite that old. (laughs) Yeah, it's formed in 1892. It's 127 years old. Right. In 1915, four Liverpool players were banned for life when there was a betting scandal that was uncovered.
0: Oh, I don't know this one. Um... (laughs) But I'm gonna guess oh, 1915. Oh, false. Oh, it was true. Ah, oh,
1: <laughs> two, one, two, one Anfield was originally the home of Everton.
0: Oh uh, false. True. Oh, that's right. Yes.
1: There, there was a fallout with the owners oh, yes. over a rent that they were being yes. charged, and they moved to Goodison <laughs> Park in 1891. We're two all. Two two. Okay, last question. <laughs> Liverpool finished 8th in their first season back in the top division in 1963 after being promoted, okay? And they've never finished lower than 8th since then. That's true. Yes. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Well done. Sneaked one in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome, man. So let's dive into side projects. You work full-time as a software engineer, right?
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I've worked, I mean, yeah, this is the, the one thing that people people are are normally amazed at. Kind of how many projects I have, you know, I, I build and launch and stuff. But they 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 normally think it's what what I do full time. But when I tell them I actually have a full time job, and actually, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this earlier, but I have zero projects like on product hunt that i've done for my day job
1: wow
0: yeah so zero projects are actually on product hunt and everything that you see on product hunt. your output's way more than people think yeah well the thing is i uh so for the vast majority of the last 10 12 years i worked at an agency uh, or, or i've worked for two or three agencies now yeah um and most of the time i'm kind of and you know not just me but the sort of agency is kind of under nda so we can't really talk about what we do uh kind of a lot And that's actually one of the reasons I started to do side projects as well is that I couldn't talk about what I was doing. So I started doing side projects so that I could talk about what, you know, what I could do and kind of the sort of things that I wanted to work on and kind of things like that as well. So, uh, so yeah, so everything you see on product Hunt is kind of a side project. From my research, your side projects are definitely making a bit
1: of money. And I want to know if by keeping your full-time job, a full time job. Your side projects remain side projects, and they actually stay fun. And you don't have to make money from them.
0: Yeah. So I mean, all the ones that are, or, or the ones that are, or have made money, uh, I've typically uh, worked on with other people to kind of help them kickstart things. Uh, so, for example, with um, Q that I built with Dan and Matt. Um, I mean, I know Dan and Matt had always planned to work on something. F- time, Yeah. Um, but they didn't have any technical skills. So they had the idea and, you know, they, they, they handled all the marketing side and design and everything else like that. So, um, I kind of helped them to kind of start Q and you know, it's doing, it's doing awesome. Uh, but it's really been the heavy work that they've done since we've <laughs> launched. Um, that's really kind of made that a success and, and, and it's kind of, you know, taking it for them not being a side project anymore and, and being there. Th- th- Full-time stuff, um, but I guess to answer your question, abs- I think absolutely. Like I love what I do in in that I like to create things from scratch, like you know have like an idea uh, and kind of turn it into a functioning application. Mm. Um, and the, and the fact that I don't have to worry about okay, is this good? going to make money is this something you know how how do i turn this into something that will make money and i can just purely concentrate on the process of taking ideas and and like thinking about how you turn an idea into an application means that i can just i can i can focus on the bit that i really like and and kind of enjoy versus turning it into a grind where i've got to kind of figure out like how do i turn this into something that will pay me uh, kind of every day, every month. (laughs) As you're speaking, I was thinking
1: of One Page Love and how that was my side project. And, you know, it was Friday nights, you know, Sunday mornings, and I loved working on it. And then I would have this bonus boost of, you know, income. And that was just such a joy and now it's like if I don't meet X a month because OnePage loves my full time job, I get I get stressful, and I have to tr- kind of squeeze the site, yes. you know, <laughs> as much as I can. Too. Right, right,
0: and that, and I think that that's that's the whole thing in terms of like you know do the thing you love, and you know, eventually it comes back on you. But yeah, at some point it it never get until it gets to that level where it's consistently at a point where it can su- support you trying to squeeze that little bit out so it can support you that's the bit that i feel kind of uncomfortable with i think a lot lot of people feel uncomfortable with but you know me having a full time job where i don't have to worry about that so much um kind of makes that makes that makes a lot easier it keeps side projects fun so um i've heard makers say that
1: true validation of your side project is when someone actually uses their credit card
0: do you agree with that Uh Yes and no. I mean, it depends. Again, it depends on, on what you're trying to achieve. Like I've built a lot of stuff in the past where it's it's pure side project. So I'm using it to learn a new tool, a new, a, a, a new language, a new library, right? So for me, sometimes the fact that I built and launched something that people use and find value of, even if they pay me or not, is not always the end desired outcome of a side project. Now, if you're talking about, like the pure indie hackers of the world, then yeah, absolutely. Because if you're not making money, then you can't s- sustain it and you can't s- support yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's 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 where I separate indie hackers from side projects, right? Because a side project is just that. It's something that you do on the side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, indie hacker is something that you want to become your full-time thing.
1: Totally. W- would you say good advice for someone hacking away at side projects is actually be honest with yourself in the beginning have a metric for success you know like this side project i'm going to learn laravel and if people use it it's a bonus but as soon as you say oh it has to make
0: money yeah absolutely i mean i I know uh, like i mentioned earlier i mean one of the reasons i started to build side projects in the first place was that i couldn't talk about what i was doing at the Day job, so I, I needed a way to kind of uh, share on social media. I wanted to build my following up. I wanted to get more people reading my blog, kind of things like that. So it doesn't always have to be a financial outcome. It can be, it can be an educational thing where you want to learn something new. It can be a way to market yourself without actually marketing yourself in terms of I'm not available for hire. But hey, here's some of the cool things that I'm working on. Here's some of the cool things that I can do. Maybe at some point down the road you might want to hire me for something, um, because that you know that's obviously the sort of indirect stuff that has happened to me in the past. I mean, people have seen a lot of the things that I've worked on, and they and they've hired me to work on you know work on a new application and kind of stuff like that as well. So it's not always uh, whip out your credit card right now to prove that you know what what you built has value, but. The fact that people have a little checkbox next to your name now so that so that the next time they want to hire somebody, they come looking at you first. It's actually great marketing for yourself here. So you're you're
1: currently on 83 side projects. <laughs> if someone was to ask you, what was the project that you're the most proud of? What would you say?
0: Well, one of the ones that I did a couple of years ago... Uh, Just purely from a audience perspective and a way of increasing awareness of me and my skills and stuff. Uh, when when I built um, Will robots take my job with um, Timitar, that's probably the one that kind of went. That went viral. <laughs> when it was just amazing, um, you yeah, know, we did like four million page views in the first week that it was it it it, it was out, and it was on radio and TV and it's kind of everywhere. So that's probably the one that just kind of cemented my position in terms of, you know, people kind of knew who I was and kind of kind of became more aware of who I was.
1: Amazing. And I know you've talked about it in the past, but for the Yo! listeners, you know, why exactly did you invest your time in that project? Why did you greenlight that one? So,
0: yeah, so it's funny. So, I met Tim Ta online. So, I think we joined the Slack group that was set up by Tan Petty for people who are doing... Down stuff in the evenings and stuff like that, and and so yeah, uh, he reached out to me and he'd seen some of my stuff on Product hunt and stuff, and and had said, "Hey, maybe we can work on a site, you know, just 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 kind of uh because we could." Um, and actually, he was the one who had the idea of of kind of building. Will robots take my job? Is essentially, it was just so in two thousand thirteen, a couple of researchers in England had put together a report which looked at popular jobs and said, what's the likelihood that AI or robotics is going to replace humans in that? Timitar had found it and said it would be kind of cool to take that report and turn it into a site. So you could punch in uh, the fact that you were an audio engineer or that you are a computer Programmer or an accountant or kind of any of these kind of list of jobs and see what the percentage likelihood in twenty I think it was twenty twenty five I think it was that your job would be taken over by AI and stuff and so I you know I kind of looked at the site and said well that seems like a fairly easy thing to build like it's just a very simple uh, list of things and then we just kind of provide a search interface to it to kind of make it a little bit easy. So I figured we could build it in a couple of weekends and we could get a good sense of if we like to work together, if we like to work on the same kind of things, if we like to work the same way. So just kind of like a trial app that we could build to kind of see if we wanted to build something else in the future as well. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so what was kind of a quick little two weekend uh, project turned into a, I think at the end when we sold it, it had turned something like 14 million in about uh, a year or so. You know, just with working with him and this is a bit
1: of a deeper question, but what happens when you start a side project and then you realize that you and and the person you're collaborating with aren't really compatible? Have you ever pulled out of a side project?
0: Um, I don't think I've ever pulled out a side project. I mean, I I, I'm, I make it quite clear with people that I, I build until we launch. And then at the end of, at, after we launch, we kind of re-evaluate. So even with the Kaiser Q, even with Timitar and and a few other people that that, that I've, I've kind of made stuff with on the side, it's always, we're building the MVP and we're going to launch it. And after we launch it, we can our own ways if we want to yeah we can just see that the project really wasn't uh what we wanted to build or there's no market for the thing that we want that that we actually built and we can just you know either we can just leave the project kind of on the back burner or we can shut it off or we can do all those kind of things so so, I do try and be um, upfront with people in terms of, you know, I'm not just because we're doing this little one thing on the side doesn't mean that we're going to be working on this project for the next four or five years. <laughs> we're we're, we're kind of using the MVP as an evaluation to kind of see what comes afterwards.
1: Hey, this is Gilbert Pellegrin from Delicious Brains. Best you hit that subscribe button as I'm coming up next in the Yo podcast. I didn't have this in my notes, but it's quite interesting to think about partnerships. And a lot of people, they don't spend enough time talking about what happens if it goes viral. And with you, do you go into a partnership and go, well, we're 50-50 or we're 33% if there's three of us. And if someone asks us for, you know, to buy this right at the end when we launch...
0: Then that's the deal we have. It's pretty loose, but it's honest. Yeah, I mean that's usually. I mean, I, I, I yeah. And then again, it, it depends on on kind of how big project it is and stuff like that too, right? Like, like this thing with Will Will Robots for example. It was a two weekend thing, right? So it's not like you spent six months working on something and then you know, and then you're going to launch it. It's two weekends. Like, you know, had it been like a hackathon, I could have built the whole thing in one weekend. Uh, if I, if I spent the whole weekend on it, uh, so it, it depends, right? Like if it's something really quick and fast, that absolutely is very loose. We say, look, it's going to be an equal thing. Cause we're, you know, in that two weeks, we basically spent the same amount of time kind of working on stuff. Now, if it's a six month long project and you know, you, you kind of, you know, you kind of plan that out and you kind of think about, okay, who's doing what, when they're doing I still like to be fairly loose because we just have no idea what will actually happen. And we don't, I mean, like, I don't like, I don't form a company. We don't sign, we, you know, we don't hire a lawyer yeah. to draft paperwork or anything, you know, kind of any stuff like that, because that will takes cash that we don't have more than likely. Um, and so it's still fairly loose, but you know, I, I tend to err on the side of, it's better to have some a little bit of something than have 100% of nothing, right? So I, I tend to err on the side of, if it's somebody else's idea, you're going to own the, the most of that idea because once I build the MVP, likelihood is you're going to want to like turn it into a full-time thing and you're going to want to hire somebody who wants to work on it full-time. Full time as well, or you're going to want to partner with somebody who wants to work on it full time, probably for less money than I'm making now, right? So, so, so more likely, it makes more sense for me to stay doing my day job, and for you to be able to hire somebody who's not quite so senior, who's not quite so experienced, but can take you up to the next level as well. For sure. So, not many of the Yo listeners know. But Mubs
1: was actually the first person to start a one-page website gallery. (laughs) He he started a a curated resource called Full Single, and that was Full site Single Page. And he did it back in 2007, and this is a year before One Page Love launched. I haven't (laughs) told anyone this. Um, I want to know why in 2007, you decided that this was a good idea to start this
0: resource. Uh, So actually, I mean, so I did, but it actually was not the first kind of website gallery that I built. So Light on Dark was a gallery that focused on web pages that had a dark background and light text. Wow. Because... Everything back then was just, you know, white background, black text. And I was just like, it's horrible that every website that you went to looked exactly the same. (laughs) Um, And so back then I was like, I've always worked really late at night. And, you know, so I've been that kind of, you know, start hacking at 10 p.m. at night and work till three o'clock in the morning kind of thing. And looking at white screens all day, or night was just painful on the eyes. So, so a lot, so a lot of stuff that I would do on side project and things, it was the other way around. I would do a dark background, whether it's really dark gray or black yeah, and then have white text on it. So I started a gallery that kind of highlighted all of those particular sites as well. Um, eventually I, I, again, I, I kind of, I, I tend to look at trends and try and turn those into sites as well, right? So I started seeing a trend yeah. in around 2007, 2006, 2007, where people were like, well, you don't need 100 pages on your site. If you have one page. And it has all the information that you need on it. That's kind of cool, right? You know? So, yep. Um, and so I, I saw that trend where people were building their own personal sites where it was just one page uh, or, it, or it was one of these functional applications where it had a little bit of JavaScript in it Uh, but it allowed you to do everything in one page. And so that was kind of why I started that too, because I was like, I like that trend, uh, because we don't need to build these big, massive sites if we can do everything in one page.
1: You know, I was just checking on Twitter the other day, you mentioned how your daughters actually started a little bit of a side hustle, (laughs) and she's painting the back of her classmates calculator cases. I want to know if you think that the Entrepreneur is something we're born with. You know, you mentioned also on another podcast how your dad uh, started a convenience store in London, and then he grew it to three. You know, so it feels like this is in your family.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you're born with it, but I think you kind of observe it, right? Like, I think the fact that I saw my father work hard every day. He would wake up at you know six o'clock in the morning. uh You know, some days to go to the fruit market so you could buy the, the food, or you could buy the and veg they'd have to take at the store. Um, and, and, you know, and obviously then grow his one supermarket into, into three. Um, and then obviously, I mean, he also bought a whole bunch of uh, investment properties as well. Um, that was how he wanted to build his legacy to kind of leave to the family, as it were. I, I don't know if you're born with it. I mean, I, I think you're born with a certain work ethic, I think. I think that's kind of you know, something that you are kind of with i think the entrepreneurial spirit is is a way that you can mm, manifest that um and i think the fact that i saw it uh with with my father and i think the kids are seeing it with me as well um is is i think you see what you can do kind of as an entrepreneur as as you know not having to go work every day for somebody else yeah um and and the fact that you can kind of control a little bit more about your future and kind of what 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 you can offer the world as well um, I I think it's something that you observe and then you kind of say well if somebody else can do that why can't I (laughs) that's a great uh, take on that
1: so let's let's break into a little intermission quick I like to call no context you simply reply back with either of the two words I say no context needed at all okay Twitter or Instagram Twitter Laravel or Code Igniter Laravel no code movement or learn to code (laughs) <laughs> turn to code champions league or english premier league
0: english premier league
1: torres or suarez oh suarez <laughs> windows or mac hack open source or recurring revenue open source and last one a good night's sleep or a good night of side project coding
0: oh good night of coding <laughs> always so is it true that you only need four to five hours of sleep per um, night? It's getting a little bit longer now that I'm getting a little bit older. But when since I was in high school until my, my mid-30s, that was, about, that was about what I got every night. For a lot of people, they need that sleep, but you just didn't. I mean, one of, the reasons, one of the things people ask me all the time is, how do you do all these side projects? And I would tell them, well, I wait till my kids go to bed. So around nine o'clock, you know, about eight o'clock, my kids go to bed. I would spend an hour or two with the wife, watching TV, you know, t- doing whatever. And then about, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, I would sit down and until three o'clock, I would, I would hack on side projects. <laughs> so, um, it, I mean, I was obviously very lucky that I didn't need a lot of sleep. So that really helps. But um, that was a schedule that I had for a really long time. It's funny because when when my kids were really small, um, I would take the mm, height shift feeding them. Yeah. So I would, I would work... Uh, until about two o'clock, um, they would need feeding between two and three. Um, and so I would take that shift in the middle of the night. So I'd work until they needed to be fed, then I would feed them and go to sleep. And then my wife would take the early feeding in, in the morning. So it would allow her to sleep through the night. And since I was going to be awake anyway, I would, I would be the one that would take that, that feeding in the middle of the night instead. Hey, this is AJ from Yo Podcast, Episode One. You're already thirty minutes into this episode, so don't forget it's important to stretch and hydrate. Back to you, Rob. In
1: 2016, you won Product Hunt's Maker of the Year. You know how important was that for you, being a builder since you were so young.
0: Um, yeah, I think it was it was important not not just because I'd been building for such a long time, but I, I think also because. I didn't live in like one of the big hubs, right? Like I didn't live in San Fran. I didn't live in New York city. Um, so the fact that somebody, you know, and I was following in, in, uh, in Peter levels footsteps as well, who was, who was, uh, who was doing the whole mm, home ad thing. I think it just kind of proved to myself and to everybody else that you don't need to be in San Fran to kind of have an impact. Right. And and t- to be able to do all these things, Um, You know, if you, if you want to learn to code, it doesn't matter where you are. If you want to build stuff on the side, it doesn't matter if you're in some small town, you know, in, in, in the U S or even anywhere else in the world. Um, So I think, I think the fact that I was able to do that and not and not be in one of those big subs. I think that was a really important thing. I think
1: amazing. And how important do you think it is as a maker to build up your profile on social media, like Twitter, for example?
0: Uh, I mean, it's really helped me long term. You know, like every time I build something now, it's funny because I was thinking about uh, over the week. I over, over the last week, I just launched two of the new apps that I built for the for the Product Hunt Maker Festival. Um, and, and normally when, you know, when, 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 when I started this thing, making stuff on the side, you know, when I would launch something, I would get, you know, like five people come check it out. People I worked with at the time, you know, sort of, you know, kind of stuff like that. Uh, but when I launched Haker network and for sale by maker without, with me just tweeting and blogging about them, I think I'd already had like a couple hundred people come and check them out already. And that's purely because of the following and stuff that I've kind of, and and so audience that I have now. Um, So I, I, you know, I think it's really important. I don't think you, I mean, I, obviously I've taken the route of doing it on my personal account, like it's, you know, at my Basharik, so people know it's me, but you know, some people obviously shy away from doing anything personal kind of, kind of on online and that's fine. You know, even if you want to do it under a company name or something like that, I think that's absolutely fine too. But just having that audience just kind of helps you get the f- feedback that you need to to kind of see if you're working on the right things, or to or to have that audience when you do launch something, um, that you're not like scraping around trying to find people to kind of have a look at what you worked on. Got it. So so a couple of years ago, you mentioned the move from Windows to
1: MacBook Air. Yes. You know what is your setup now?
0: Uh, so I'm on a MacBook Pro. I I, I think I made the move. Uh, I think at the time, it was just everybody at the company I worked at. So I started working at an agency. I was on a Windows machine. Everybody else was on a Mac. <laughs> and, and so it was just easier just to be on a Mac, so easier to share files and sort of all that kind of stuff. Since then, uh, I, I you know that's why when you did ask the question, I kind of had to struggle because early on it was Windows, but more recently it's been Mac. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the developer experience on a Mac now is so much easier than... Than any other platform, really, in terms of how you configure your in environment and your can can and all of the tools and things um, that you need now are just so easy to access on a Mac. Um, that really, I mean, I, I know it's a little bit more expensive than having a Windows machine, but it makes life so much easier as well. And software-wise, you know, Sublime Text, what are you rolling? Uh Sublime Text. I I I, sw- I, I swap back between Visual uh, Studio Code. Uh, and Sublime Text. Mm. Um, I typically just like the speed of Sublime Text. Code has some additional uh, things that just make it a little bit easier when I'm I'm doing specific things. When I do have to do design, I've been using Figma, and I I build I build, uh, the vast majority of my side projects are with Harvel. So I've got that configured on my local machine as well. Um, and then for hosting, I tend to use um, DigitalOcean uh, to kind of have all of my uh, apps hosted as well. You mentioned DigitalOcean. Is that where you host everything? Uh, pretty much. There's I, I, I have a few sites on Heroku as well, um, but it just depends on how fast I want to spin things up um, and it depends on who I'm working with as well. Some people have preference for some reason, like they want it hosted in, a, in kind of a specific place. Uh but almost all of my sites, all I mean all all of my personal kind of individual sites are on DigitalOcean. Yep. And domains? Domains. So I started um when when and again i you know my first side for I think I registered my first domain in nineteen
1: ninety-eight. Wow, so you have to like write a letter to get a domain. Uh it's a fax. (laughs) <laughs> something over it was it was weird pity you didn't buy like weddings.com or anything back then
0: uh had i known had i known <laughs> <laughs> uh i still it's funny though it's funny because so the the I bought in 1998 is still one that i own and it's still one of my only four lettered top comms wow so so yeah so i still own it so it's, it's still awesome to have that um but yeah so um, I start. Yeah, started a long time ago, so I've got a few spread out all over the place just because things evolved over time. Uh, the vast majority of them now are on... Namecheap. Yep, absolutely. I've, I've been very happy with them.
1: Hey friends, it's Rob from the Edit. What did you think of the football section? Did I go too far or do you want more goofs like that? Hit me up at Rob on Twitter or yo at RobHope.com. Okay, back to mubs thinking back to what you said earlier about how you're really involved until the launch, how do you feel about SEO when it comes to side projects? Are you building for search engine optimization? Because I know that's something people often tweak post-launch. Uh,
0: again, it, it depends a little bit on what the app is. Yeah. Uh, I know when we built Will Robots, I think one of the reasons that it did do quite well uh, after we launched that was that we did think about how people would share it. right? Like. Because the whole uh, the whole instinct is, I, I look up my job, I look at the percentages, and the first thing I would do is tell everybody else, right? Like, yeah, here's my job, I'm safe, or oh shit, I'm screwed <laughs> uh, because I'm going to lose my job. Um, so, uh, so on that particular, like we did, I mean, like we spent a lot of time on, we, we actually built a uh, custom share images. So for each of the individual jobs, we 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 updated the open graph image so they actually had the percentage when you shared it on Facebook and Twitter rather than just one card that was the same for every link uh, kind of stuff like that. So I I think you have to think about what is the app that you're trying to build is, I mean, obviously if it's a pure functional application where you have to log in and uh you know access the functionality then you know thinking about seo is kind of pointless because nobody can access any of the stuff inside of it yeah um so you still have to think about seo in terms of what the home page looks like and, and and kind of stuff like that but you know obviously not going to spend a lot of time uh thinking about that you want to think about the functionality instead it's
1: interesting because i've seen people launch side projects and you know you've got quite a huge range of them. And you don't really feel like maintaining all of them, but some people maybe have only one idea, two ideas. Let's use a color picker, for example, or a color schema. Then they start writing articles about, this is the best way to create a color profile. They start searching keywords. I mean, it
0: is a strategy. Uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, obviously it depends on what your long-term is, right? Like, I mean, if once you've launched the, the sort of little tool that, yeah, you know, and, and again, I build a lot of these little tools because they're things that I want to use myself. I don't really care if other people use them. Uh, it's kind of awesome if they do. Uh, but it, it, you know, what's the point of writing 20 blog articles about color pickers? Is somebody going to buy the color picker? Is somebody going to, you know, like how are you going to use, how, uh, how is that time that you spent to write those articles going to give you value back, right? Like just because you now rank for color picker, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, like awesome. Um, but is that going to bring you any long-term value out
1: of that? just into side projects and just advice you know i feel like you're such an experienced person to help the other listeners out there you know get going so many people listening with doubt and they haven't actually launched and they just worry what people think would you say it's good to aim at doing good research before starting so you don't fail or just pick a problem that you have and start there
0: yeah i mean i think this goes back a little bit to kind of what 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 we talked about earlier like what's the point of the side project right like I think that if you understand that from the beginning, then you don't worry too much about failing, right? Because if, if you're building a side project to learn something, how can you fail? <laughs> you know, like there's no such thing as failure as long as you've learned something along the way. Exactly. Um, so I think that that's really important there. Yeah, I was going to say that's the most important thing in terms of advice too, is like understand why you're doing something. Um, in terms of like, you know, research versus just kind of jumping in, I think it depends a little bit on your skill set too there, right? Like if you're a coder, just start to code, right? Like just start to make something um, because the best research that you can do is to show somebody your application. Uh, you You can ask them what they think. You can ask them what their problems are. You can ask them all sorts of questions and they might give you some kind of answer that means anything at all and i you know i found most customer research is, until you can actually show them an application most customer research is kind of worthless because they think they know what they want but they're not but they're not application people so they don't really understand um kind of what what exactly how to express what they actually need and kind of what they want as well so uh, that to me has always been quicker to build the MVP and then show potential customers than spend six months, you know, doing customer interviews and research and all that kind of stuff to figure out what they want.
1: Good stuff. That's great advice. So what advice would you give someone who thinks that they're on a real bad run of failed side projects and they're thinking maybe it's not for me?
0: Uh, uh, Yeah, like you said, it it goes back to as long as you're learning from one project to the next and you're applying what, you know, as long as you understand why it failed, I think that's the most important thing as well is understanding, okay, was it the wrong, was it the wrong market that you were attacking? Was it the wrong, uh, was it the wrong tool? People didn't actually need that to solve their problem. As long as you're understanding what was, you know, what was missing in that project, like, you know, were you too soon? I mean, because that's the other thing that a lot of people do is is they see, a product they see a problem that needs to be solved, but there's not enough people with that particular pain point right now. Um, that had they waited six months and launched the same tool, they probably would have been a lot more successful as well. So, so I think yeah, understanding why uh, the problems are failing, um, and then you know, and then it just goes back to you know, are you actually trying to build you know like a real company on the side, then yeah, then you have to think about profitability and all that kind of stuff. But if you're building stuff on the side for fun, and you know, you're making new friends on Twitter, you're making new uh, friends through your blogging, even if the projects themselves fail, you're still continuing to grow, and and hopefully the next one will be the one that finally hooks in.
1: You know, I don't have this in my notes either. But just before the last question, I always read that you know everyone's trying to quit their job, you know, and and make sure that side project you know does good, and then and they can take the leap, and then that's the goal. But you love making side projects. You have a full time job. There's a stable income every month. Would you say this is almost unpopular
0: advice? What you do? I think so. Uh, I think I think people. Uh, almost everybody i speak to who wants to do a side project is because they hate their job yeah and and to me it's well one you have to understand why you hate your job because obviously there's plenty of work out there if you, if you hate your job that much you should just go find a new job and yeah for some people yeah they they see this thing about being you know working for yourself and 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 uh, you know not having a job as something that's amazing I, I, I've tried this in the past. And the thing that I, I, I like to tell people is that you always have a job, right? It's either working for yourself or working for somebody else. Um, but ultimately, you still will always have somebody that you report to. If you have a side project, you're going to have customers that you now yeah. have to report to that you have to keep happy. Uh, so it may not be the person that you work for, Uh, in terms of a job so but you know if you're unhappy with a job you can be just as unhappy with a side project as well or you know a project that has now turned into a full-time thing the other thing I like to tell people is that there's a lot more to running a business than building an application right like you have to do your accounting and you have to do HR and you have to do all these other things that people don't realize that once you start doing that, you can't actually, I mean, here's one of the reasons that I continue to do side projects as, you know, just purely a side project is I like to build stuff, right? I don't like to do HR and financing and all those other things. Um, And so in terms of keeping my side projects, things that I enjoy, if one of them became my full-time thing, now I wouldn't be doing the thing that I like to do. I wouldn't be writing code anymore, more than likely. I wouldn't be, you know, working on adding new features, I'd be figuring out how can I hire somebody? How can I make sure that they get their payroll run on time? And how can I do all those other things that I have to do that has nothing to do with building applications anymore? That's such sound advice. Last question, Mubs, how deep
1: do you want me to go? Okay, let's just say one to 10, one is super light, 10 is deep.
0: Uh- yeah we've been pretty open so far so let's keep it on let's go real deep
1: here okay having a family with a wife and two daughters okay your skills side project hustle you know obviously aided to their well-being but for other makers out there not getting the encouragement from their partners to hustle into the early hours of the morning and so on what
0: advice could you give those makers i mean the the one thing that i would say is just make sure that your partner knows why you're doing what you do. Right. Like, cause I think, I think it's not just, it's not just about, Oh, here's what I made. It's like, he- here's why I made this. Right. Either it's it's your hobby and you- you're just happy about, you know, working on something and kind of creating something. So, you know, if you're enjoying and you're having a good time, I mean, your partner should enjoy that too. Right. That they want you to be happy. They want you to enjoy things, but if you're doing it to I want this because I don't want my full-time job anymore. And I want to get a new job then again, they should be encouraging you to, to understand that you know, longer term, this will hopefully be uh, something that will make your life less stressful, right? So even even though you're putting the effort in now, in six months from now, in, in a year from now, you, your life will improve and hopefully... Th- their life will improve as well. So uh, I think just having being on the same page. I think that's great advice. Yeah, I think just having everyone be on the same page, I think is is the really important bit there. Amazing. Mubs, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people follow you? Twitter over Instagram. <laughs> uh, I've recently started blogging a lot more on my own site. So it's called practicalmvp.com. That's the other place that I used to blog a lot on Medium, but uh, I've started to do it on my own for me now. I think that's a smart move. Anyway, Mavs, thanks so much. Take care, brother. No problem. Thanks for having me on.